0: American United Federal Credit Union can often help when others won't. They can often approve loans even if you've had trouble being approved in the past. Qualifying for membership is easy. Learn more at amucu.org.
1: When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. Robo Global provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The H-Tech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at roboglobal.com slash HTEC.
0: Welcome to Ideation Collective, I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show I've got Johnny Ford. Perseverance over the long term, It's everyone gets hyped up and, and the world's so short term right now. And you know, we have all these sound bites coming at us through our smartphones and through our uh, tweeters or whatever you call them. The key to success is to make a decision and stick with it for a long amount of time, right? This is another episode of our
1: Innovation and Leadership series where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is ideationcollective.co/free. Again icollective.co slash free also before getting rolling we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founder started called Child Rescue we work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad one of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru to learn more about that please come to the Child Rescue section on our website icollective.co slash so with that out of the way let's get to the interview thanks for being on the show man for having me so uh, let's talk about a few things um, starting with tell us about the company that you built and, and sold here
0: okay well uh, the company I actually I bought uh, it was a dormant mm-hmm. dormant shell of a company with some assets that had been sitting in a man's garage for seven or eight years and it was called international underwater surveyors and uh, basically it's a technology company that owns specialized underwater survey equipment such as remotely operated vehicles and bottom sampling equipment to do like sediment grabs off the bottom of the ocean and current meters and and just all sorts of underwater data acquisition instrumentation. Um, The the two guys that started the company back in the late 90s uh, saw a need for this kind of equipment, especially in the aquaculture industry up here in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, aquaculture really took off and, and grew a lot in the late 90s, and there was a lot of leases granted to the to the fish farm companies, and they were allowed to expand and and develop new sites. But unlike the old days, they had to collect all this data um, for you know for o- oceanographic data because times have changed. It's not it's not the wild west anymore. And they traditionally did this sort of work with divers, and divers can only go so deep, like you know, 100, 150 feet, sort of thing. And they needed to go deeper than that because the new sites that they were applying for were deeper. So basically, these two guys got together and said, "Okay, we see we see a need for a remotely operated vehicle and other underwater survey equipment. Let's go buy it." And they made a go of it, and they actually had a lot of success back in the late 90s and all the way up through till 2003. Uh, and then for whatever reason, the partnership went sour and all the equipment went into the garage of the money, money guy in that partnership. And he didn't know anything about how to run the equipment or what to do with it. So I worked for that guy. His name's Paul in the commercial fishing industry for quite a few years. And then, uh, I got out of commercial fishing and I went and got a little bit of an education in business, um, up here at Royal Roads in British Columbia. And when I got out of school, I was all rare and ready to go uh, as far as like business acumen, at least I thought I was in my mind. And Paul approached me basically, well, we sort of just talked and he said, Hey, I have all this equipment in the garage. It was quite successful several years ago. I don't know what you do with it, but are you interested in trying to resurrect it? And uh, he basically just opened the door for me and offered financing to say, if you can make money with this equipment, you can, you can buy it and then you can go make money with it. So I basically just made some phone calls. I just went through the old filing cabinets and made some phone calls and said, okay, you know, who were the clients? What kind of work was being done with the equipment? I went and contacted the clients. There was really only four big clients, four big aquaculture companies up here in, in British Columbia that operate. And uh, one of them was really interested because uh, IUS, International Underwater Surveyors, had done quite a bit of work for them in previous years. So basically, I sat down with two of their environmental people and convinced them that I could operate this equipment. And just
1: just to pause you there, did you have any experience doing that? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I come well... I have a lot of experience on the water. I, I spent nine years before this uh, commercial fishing, like as a deck hand on the back of the boat where you're the guy, you know, tying, tying lines and, and dealing with nets and dealing with cables and chain and very, very little about what's going on inside the boat. Like I never knew where I was on the chart or, you know, what the weather was doing tomorrow, but I did have a little bit of time on the ocean, uh, but no time at the helm, like no time running the boat and, and definitely no time with technological equipment such as this stuff in fact i I kind of hate computers this is my very first skype conversation ever Um. (laughs) so okay let's
1: pause there because i think there are a lot of entrepreneurs that need to like you know sell sell build operate for their businesses and that's exactly what you did okay so you you got some ocean time but you don't actually have experience doing this What did you what did you tell yourself or or how did you get into that meeting uh, mentally to be able to like go in and sell it confidently to the point that they're actually buying it when when you haven't done it before?
0: Okay, so that that was a little tricky because I wasn't up to date on the terminology. I didn't know the lingo like I I spent a bit of time on the Internet beforehand, obviously trying to trying to get the lingo down and and try to figure out what certain words meant that I'd already heard on the phone in conversation with these people prior, like the word benthic I I'm doing benthic monitoring for these people, but I had no idea what benthic even means. So (laughs) I did spend quite a bit of time on the internet just Googling and and watching videos and just trying to get up on the lingo, which was pretty much futile. You know how it is, unless you're actually in an industry talking the lingo with the people, you don't really learn it. So I was a little intimidated going in, but I also had just come freshly out of a Bachelor of Commerce degree and and the school was like tons and tons of... um, of time presenting in front of people and sitting around tables and and presenting. And they were always bringing in professionals so that you actually got to present in front of people that were supposed to make you a little bit nervous. And I sort of was, I was just confident really. Like I I was just confident in presenting to people and talking. Um, Not that I have like a, a, you know, a great vocabulary or that I'm even good with the English language, but I'm just not afraid of people. So I just went in there and I had the mindset of okay these people called you and they want to meet with you so you probably have something if you can make it work that's more valuable to them at this point than you have to lose so I just went in thinking whatever what do I have to lose I mean I'm fresh out of school if this doesn't if this interview doesn't go well <laughs> I'll go get another job, a real job. And uh, what do I have to lose? So I just went in and I sat down and I was totally honest with them. And I said, you know what? Here's what I have. I have tons of experience on the water. I have the tickets I need to run the boat. I don't really understand the science science aspect of what you guys are doing because it is, it was, is science. It's uh, It's all like biology stuff. Um, but I guarantee I'll figure it out if you give me a chance. So they basically just explained it to me like like an idiot, right? They basically said, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's the lingo. Here's the science. Here's how it all works. Now we need you to go and get some training. So then I went off and I did, you know, three weeks of, of training with uh, a, a company down in a bigger city Victoria and they basically just gave me the training I need to be able to, to watch the video and to know exactly what I'm seeing on the video or to measure certain chemicals or, or metals or uh, sulfides out of the bottom of the ocean and then I took the data. All I did was data acquisition. I just gathered data and I hired a biologist who actually had a degree and a stamp. And I hired them to write the report. And then the two of us together submit the report and then we get paid. And then that's how I covered myself. I had, I had a professional biologist sign off on it all and write the report. So
1: You know, it's so interesting that line between confidence but being vulnerable enough to be honest with people so they can trust you and uh and how that starts a relationship isn't
0: it yeah totally that 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 vulnerability though i find is a good thing because it gives it it gives them a position of power and makes them feel like okay this guy he's obviously you know he's he's being honest like you said i mean he we they like that they like that when you're honest and they like having the power and they were also able to manipulate the price a little bit because (laughs) and tell me what they thought it was worth it wasn't until two years later when I realized I was doing it for about 60% of what the competition was doing it for. But whatever, like I, <laughs> they gave me the end. Yeah,
1: you, owned, you had a company by then, right?
0: Yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, um, I'm just thinking about our years hanging out together. And my, my question is, like, you're, you're like, honestly, po- possibly the hardest working person I've ever met in my whole life. And you always want to do stuff. So I just want to know what school was like sitting around just talking compared to actually getting anything done. How did you handle that?
0: Well, I seem to have this thing about me where I can't sit sit still for sure. And I, and I always have like this anxiety in the back of my mind if I am sitting still that I should be doing something. It's just it drives me crazy. Actually, I hate it. I wish I could. But when I'm engaged in something where m- my conscience will let me rest, like, such as school, like, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's what I'm telling myself. As long as I know that I'm doing something that is ultimately productive in the end, like school, which does require a lot of sitting and doing nothing, um, <laughs> then I'm then I'm okay. Like it, when I was at school, I was able to actually give myself a, a break and feel okay about it. Like I, it was a guilt-free break going to school and it was weird. It was really cool about that. That experience at school was actually really cool because i was able to just hang around for a year and a half and not do a lot of work i mean school is a little bit of work but and feel just fine about it it was <laughs> it was cool
1: yeah uh i i'm just laughing you know that most most of my other friends would be like oh yeah you know once i got through all the hard work of school <laughs> <and> johnny <laughs> ford's like oh such a great break to just go to school and all, like all you had to do is school work and you know well
0: uh, it, what it is <laughs>
1: Um, okay listen I just just knowing you and just like your intensity level your tenacity level what what was the learning curve like because I I doubt that you were willing to not know what you're doing for very long what what was that like trying to figure out hey I'm running these mini submarines
0: well yeah that's a hard one to describe really um it was brutal like two years of well two of the most stressful years of my life for sure because Um, I felt a lot of responsibility to the people I made promises to, such as the guy holding the financing and the clients who were hiring me to do the work, and their deadlines were quite cut and dry like we need this data collected by this date or else we are not within compliance you know according to the ministry of the environments requirements or whatever so I did I felt a lot of responsibility to to do a good job and when the equipment started um, malfunctioning or breaking down on me and I had no idea what I was doing when that stuff started going crazy like the electronics or burning out circuit boards or or you know just smoke coming out of a machine you don't know what's going on that's when I definitely started feeling the weight of of the job and um what was the question again (laughs) no no I think that's important and but I
1: so a I'd like to hear you know what your strategy was to figure that out but but I think that you brought up something else that's interesting for so many people who are starting something new there's such feelings of inadequacy I thought it's genius to hear that you actually hired a biologist. Like it's interesting how so many of the smartest people with a lot of credibility can be hired for an hourly wage. Um, Sounds like that was a a real smart move for you to be able to bring somebody like that in to help get those reports done.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that was key. That hundred bucks an hour was nothing for what they brought to the table. It it made me a credible business owner, right? I went from being just a Joe with some equipment that I took out of a garage and went to work with to being a credible, you know, here's a professional product um, because I definitely couldn't do that without him or her.
1: Yeah. Well, um, and and start to finish, how long from <laughs> no business, just some equipment to, you know, fully functioning business, doing the kind of volume you were that you got your your buyout offer, your opportunity to sell the
0: business? Uh, five years on the money. So it was, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, when you think about, uh, when you think about what, possibly prepared you in life f- for this. Um obviously the the years on the water out doing the commercial fishing but uh another thing I was wondering is um I think about your BMX skills from a kid like when when we were hanging out 15 years ago and <laughs> you were like trying all this crazy stuff that uh like you were always pushing the envelope. Do you, do you think you had this kind of like tenacity and learning and like not taking failure for an answer in your B- BMX days too.
0: Okay, well, I gotta be—I I gotta be honest. I, I can't go on saying I'm a good BMXer right now because <laughs> anyone that I actually rode with growing up uh, will know that that is not a true statement. But I did enjoy BMXing, and uh, I did—I did, I did definitely—I went for it. Like I was always the guy who had the craziest bail at the end of the day, um, for the video camera or broke something, but I, I was the least skilled of the group for sure. But, um, yeah, I just had to make that clear.
1: Yeah. But what about this idea of like facing the fear and going for it, even though you had a high probability of, of crashing, like what,
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't mind that. I don't know what that is. I feel like that's something where you're either born with or you're not. Maybe it's something that's cultured. I don't know. But um, that's just, that is just what I am. And I do, I do enjoy that rush of, you know, the unknown, like what's going to happen. And it's going to be crazy no matter what it is. And if I land it, it's going to feel awesome. And if I bail, it's going to be a pretty good show for everyone else. So (laughs) There's just something about me and certain people that are like that. Like, it's just, it's worth the risk. Um, I'm a little more adverse to, well, I guess I'm not actually. Here I am. I just committed career suicide and we're going on a big trip. Yeah. Okay. But, so okay. let's, well, actually,
1: you know, I'm not surprised that you talk about maybe there's an aspect of cultural. Like, I'm thinking about the crazy cliff jumping videos your brother made. And um, like, I remember up there in Courtney seeing the pump tracks and the, like, the dirt bike jumps in between the trees that like the guys in your town made. Um, It seems like it was kind of a thing to push the envelope where you're growing up.
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think West Coast, British Columbia, Canada is uh, a place on the earth where the envelope is pushed all the time. For sure. I agree with that. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, um, you know, kind of a, kind of a left turn from the traditional, uh, traditional business world. Let's talk about this uh, crazy trip you're taking your family on.
0: Okay, so do you want the long or the short? Uh, Short. Let's start with the short and then we'll go for questions. Yeah, okay. So a few months ago, um, I I, I like the guys I'm working for now. So the guys I sold my company to. Uh, they're pretty good. Uh, They do a pretty good thing with their business, but they acquired my equipment and my business to support what they do. And they took on a lot of um, new business as a result of acquiring my equipment, which they weren't exactly comfortable with, like the science stuff. It was not, it's not their thing. They're all about uh, down and dirty chain, wire, rigging, anchoring, um, net removal, hard, hardcore work. And their, their staff and their crew are all a bunch of hardcore redneck guys. So this was sort of like the, the cupcake thing that came along with their business. It was just sort of like you go on the boat. You don't get that dirty. You're doing science. It's <laughs> tedious. You're to the point. So anyway, uh, they do a good job is what I'm trying to say. But um, they had they some differences in approach. There's some differences. They don't quite get it the way it needs to be gotten but it's out of my hands now and I'm okay with that I let it go so a few months ago I had an opportunity to um to join up with another guy and we made an offer on another business that we heard was for sale up here in British Columbia which just so happens to be direct competition with the company I'm working for now um and that sort of left um, you know, not a great taste in the mouth of, of the owner and the manager of the business I work for now. So we all sort of came to an agreement that I should probably leave. Uh, when. The, of course, I'll leave when the deal goes through. But even if the deal doesn't go through, I should leave. The deal didn't go through. Uh, we were anyway, someone else got the company. Um, So I was in a position where I didn't really feel comfortable working for that company anymore. And I said, okay, what can I do now? So at the point that I made the offer um, on this other company, I I came to a realization that I had just committed myself for a good five to 10 years of being away from my family for up to 250 days of the year, every single year for at least the first couple of years. Because as with any new venture, you're the guy, right? If, if you're not there and if you're not making it happen, it's not going to happen. So uh, it was a lot of money on the line. And, and I realized that I needed to be the guy on the boat every single day the boat was working for at least the first two years because I needed to get tickets I didn't have. I needed to get training. I needed to get experience. So I had I fully realized the commitment I made, especially after the offer was made. And it sort of scared me. It was like, holy crap, I'm going to do this again. I just did this. Like the first two years of the new company I had were the, were the hardest two years of my life. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I wish I wished I had more time for my family. And now I have three young kids. And I just about lost 250 days of, of the year for the first two years of being with my children and their ages two, four and six. So these are, this is the time in my life I want to be home with my family. So, uh, I'm really happy the deal fell through. Let's just say that. And it even made me go the other way and say, okay, what can I be doing now to spend more time with my family? I mean, this cut, this deal just fell through. That was a blessing. Now what, now what, now what? Like I'm not just going to go and run headlong into another business opportunity. That's going to take all my time. Although they don't all have to take all your time, but I just decided to go the other way and take a break from the life I've been living for, you know, 35 years now. And, uh, we decided to um buy a motorhome and we're gonna just start traveling south we don't know where we're gonna end up and we don't know when we're gonna come back um which is awesome we don't have a plan at all (laughs) i love it we're going down the coast highway i know that we were gonna hit the grand canyon but apparently grand canyon is not a good place to go in the winter uh, so we're just going to go slow and low down the highway, down the Baja, very across the bottom of the Baja. And we have no idea where we're going from there. But I would like to end up in Costa Rica or Panama. We may um, get the boat down from there, down to like Ecuador and continue down through South America. But I was just looking at Google Maps this morning and Chile doesn't look that awesome, actually. <laughs> But uh, central a lot America, of a lot of mountains, lot of mountains, looking really appealing right now. I know there's a lot of danger there. I know that there's a lot of bugs and that we don't speak Spanish. But these are all challenges we're very excited about um, <laughs> tackling. So well, um,
1: I I mean I love the adventure. As soon as you told me about it, I was like, dude, you got to come on the show and talk about that. That's a riot. I mean, ever since uh, that one surf trip with your brother in Costa Rica, I'm like thinking, how do I get back there? So <laughs> I, I love this, you know. <laughs> Yeah. The thing I'm always telling people about is the mangoes. Like, I don't even like mango. But down there, they don't have these, like, baseball-feeling things that we have in the grocery stores where I grew up. It's like this giant piece of like juicy candy that like drips off your elbow when you're trying to eat it. We like, we just buy like a bag of those instead of going to the restaurants. We just like buy a bag of mangoes for dinner for each of us, you know,
0: just, just hang out by a garden hose. so you
1: can. <laughs> right? Seriously, like you are so sticky by the time you've done that thing. It's amazing. Go really back are. for more. Um, so, um, obviously there's, uh, a large portion of the population that's a little more conservative than you or I, um, <laughs> And uh, so when it comes to making decisions that other people criticize, whether it's in business or with going on an adventure with your family or stuff, um, do you have any things that you tell yourself as far as like, hey, they're entitled to their opinion, but unless they're going to pay my mortgage, they don't get to make my decisions or like anything that you tell yourself to kind of you know run things by your own guidelines instead of everyone else's shoulds
0: yeah that's that's a good question and i wish i was better with words i wish i could project my thoughts onto the screen but um i do have i do have a, lo- a lot of trouble with the way that normal people are like i i d- just normal people are so boring right and normal people just are so conservative and so worried about everything and so fearful and I don't um, – I don't know what I do except that I just ignore everything and I actually try and keep keep my head and mind out of the normal views. I, I, like I don't participate in much media um, at all. Like we don't have cable. I don't do Facebook. I don't actually – this is my, like my first guy. Get- I don't do much media. Because I find that there's just so much out there and it's so it's so easy to be influenced, right? It is really easy to be influenced and, and to have your opinion swayed. And I think the best for me is just to remain free of as much influence as I can and just be in my own head. And just when I make a decision, I just ignore really what everyone says I know that's not always smart I mean we're supposed to learn from other people and there's a lot of good insight and there's a lot of valuable opinion and there's a lot of good idea out there but I just I'm just not interested in it I don't care I just want to do what I want to do and I just want to yeah life is short I just want to do what I want to do and I don't really want to hear anyone's opinion unless they're in support of what I'm doing and and I know that's it's a pig-headed it's not it's not the best view but it is the the way i live my life and i don't care like i just <laughs> this is what i'm doing i don't care what you have to say especially if it's a negative thing it's if it's a nice thing that's very nice i don't care but <laughs> but I, it's not good and maybe that's pride talking i don't really feel like it is it's just i just i'm not really down with the average minded individual
1: oh um,
0: okay
1: so um as a slight tangent um yeah. I want to talk about something a little unrelated. So I I find that hanging out with you is like possibly one of the most entertaining things because of your less than average sense of humor. (laughs) And like your willingness to like talk to completely crazy people on the street about crazy stuff and like get into full on discussions. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, like, seriously enjoy yourself. Um, or, like, I just remember, like, I was hanging out with you for weeks before I realized, like, your la- the, like, uh, laugh, your Beavis and head laugh is, like, when you're enjoying something and you really don't care if anybody else gets the joke, like, it's the joke is, as long as you're having fun, like, asking questions that people may have thought you were serious, that maybe you weren't so serious. Um, okay, so... Too much preamble here. Tell us about uh, maybe your interesting approach to humor.
0: (laughs) Man, I have a tough time answering questions like this because I just think everyone's approach to humor should be the same. But (laughs) it's interesting to hear that mine is interesting. But um, I don't know, man. I don't really know how to put it in words except that. Like you're
1: so happy to be entertained and you don't care if anyone else is laughing at the joke, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that this is true. Like, uh, just I find people are just funny, right? Like, just just <laughs> humans amuse me, and they're the most intelligent creature on the planet, or at least they think they are, and they are. There's no no denying that. But sometimes that intelligence is just like um, people mistake intelligence for, uh, <laughs> or or people mistake. Um, what they think is a smart idea for intelligence and then they go and present that it's just I don't know it's just funny to listen to people and, and their thoughts and I'm not saying people are dumb I'm the, I'm the biggest idiot there is but uh I just enjoy hearing different different opinions and different. Opinions and- <laughs> yeah like the
1: crazier the opinion the more you want to know about it
0: oh totally that that gets me off for sure yeah yeah I, I just like hearing I, I love hearing new stuff right like that's what it's all about like uh, I, I don't know what my view is except that if it's outside of what you hear normally in the day i'm really interested (laughs) it's important to check the weather (laughs) but i don't want to talk about the weather all day (laughs)
1: um okay so you know if you broke you know i have this theory that you could kind of like break business down into have something awesome figure out how to attract people to want it from you and then like not have the human aspects of those systems break down right Uh be able to lead the team so um Having something awesome, like I just know you, you you worked your guts out until you knew what you were talking about, sending these mini submarines down and all your equipment. When it came to attracting people to want these services from you, what, what was your approach to, uh, you know, Keeping the clients and landing the clients for the business.
0: Well, number one was word of mouth was where where most of our work came from. After we establish, after I established myself um, with that one Marine Harvest, the big aquaculture company up here, they actually sent a lot of work my way because they're a big enough company that other companies would call them and say, "Hey, who does your underwater, you know, benthic work?" And they, he would always send people my way. So that was a big one, word of mouth. And then. So let's talk about that for just one second.
1: Referrals are awesome. You know, I think there's a McKinsey study that says someone else is 50 times more likely to buy from you if they receive a high impact recommendation versus you telling them they should buy from you. Totally. Obviously, it worked for you. Was there anything intentional about the way you went around your work that made it easier for them to give you referrals?
0: Uh, if I said I was gonna do something, I just I did it, and if it cost me money in the end, if I if I ate shit on it, I, I didn't care. Like I did what I said I was gonna do, Um, and that's it. Like it, there's guys in town that say they can fix cars, but I go to one guy who was recommended to me by another guy that I you know he has credibility in my mind, and and he fixed my car right the first time, and I knew it was gonna be fixed because someone who had credibility told me that, and I don't know all the details about what went on in his shop. At the end of the day, I don't know if some guy did it wrong once and then they went back and corrected it or whatever. It came out right at the end. So that was a big thing with me is the job got done the way I said it was going to. And if I was going to be late or if there was something that was sort of out of my hands, I just communicated that with them and I let them know, here's what's going on. It's out of my hands. I'm waiting for a part to come from California, whatever. It's three days away. I will get the job done as soon as I can. So it was just a matter of being upfront, honest and and doing what I said I was going to do. And then the bill didn't change at the end, right? Like that was it. So um,
1: it's yeah. interesting how that could be such a differentiator, you know, like, It seems so common sense. It seems simple, but having the integrity or having the commitment to stick to that can be such a differentiator, huh?
0: Totally. Yeah, it was very tempting to jack up the price to reflect what it truly cost me in the end a lot of the time, but I just never did that. Um, So, I mean, in the end, I got more work out of it. I think I made more money that way um, by sticking to my word rather than billing for what I probably how I should have billed. But yeah, no, you're right.
1: It is kind of that like short-term vision, long-term vision, right? Yeah. Do you want short-term cash or long-term cash? Yeah. Um, okay. Besides referrals, is that was that really the main thing, or was there anything else that you found helped you land new business?
0: Uh, there was a little bit of hustle, but it's such a niche industry. I mean, the clients are few and far between, and if they need you, uh, you know, they need to hear about you or they need to look you up on the internet. I got a few jobs off the website, <clears throat> a little bit of hustle, some phone calls to, <clears throat> you know, governmental types or to uh, oil and gas types. But uh, actually, my biggest client ever, uh, you know, which was Shell Corporation, they actually it was just like a fluke phone call. They called some girl from their office, saw my website and she called and talked to me and and I landed one job that turned into about 15 jobs following that where, you know, I made more money in those 15 jobs than I did in in all of my other jobs combined. And that was that was actually just a website thing, but uh yeah, that, it's such a niche industry. I mean, there's only 3 of us around that do this kind of work. So I just had to be better than them and and I think I was. Mostly because of the the personable thing, I think, you know, like just yeah, just being reasonable with people. People are people. They just want to be reasoned with. Sure.
1: Well, um we're always asking guests, you know, people who who have experience Uh, Attracting customers or whatever. With uh, the charity my family started, Child Rescue, um, we always like to ask if people have any advice for how they think we could get more people involved in trying to stop child trafficking. And any thoughts on what you'd do if you were us?
0: Well, if I were you, I would ask me. To go down to Central America, oh, since I'm going anyway, to, um, you know, bring like 15 or 20 kids home in the back of the motorhome and just uh, <laughs> help me get through the the red tape. <laughs> through
1: customs? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> if I were you, that's what I would do. But... <laughs> On a bigger scale, like a macro, <laughs> um, what would I do? Well, raising awareness is huge because I'm not even really fully aware of the problem, right? Like I understand that men from North America go over to Thailand and, and do things they shouldn't. And a lot of the time that ends up being with younger people. But I'm not really aware even of how big the problem is. So raising awareness is always is always huge. How do you do that? Now, I'm not really a media guy, right? So I would assume through media, but I don't know and I don't know how to make your message credible other than uh it's got to be a touching message like i mean it's got to be the real message i hate anything that's not real so this is this is a this message is like i think anyone that that really understands what the problem is and not that i do totally um would want to help right so i mean yeah i I don't know, man. I that's think it. Maybe, I'm scrapping you know, the
1: fake commercial. I'm scrapping I, the fake one. We're gonna go I, for- You know
0: what would be cool is to see like a video or images of kind of like how was it Red Cross used to show the children in Africa with the flies on their faces and then ask you to give money to them. That that message had a lot of appeal because it may have been representative of that you know that child's life in Africa. I don't I don't really know if that was just like a show or if that was real. I assume real. But if you could show real photos and and real video of what's going going on where these kids are, you know, forced to live, or I, I suspect that would really appeal to the heart.
1: Yeah, especially would, to parents, huh?
0: The parents, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what these kids are experiencing, but I assume it's not good. And, and I assume if I saw images, images are the most powerful, right? Other than, you know, doing mushrooms with someone and having an experience beyond imagery. <laughs> <but> <laughs> that's the most powerful. But <laughs> hard to get everyone to do mushrooms and then give them your message. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's all about
1: delivery though. I mean, like, you know, if we could, if we could get more people to like a pizza convention, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, listen, it, it is a good point though. Uh, you know, cause we do have some video content. Um, and certainly myself being able to go down to Central America and, and actually go spend time at aftercare facilities and, and see these rescued kids. Right. And it's like, holy crap, this is just like my kid, you know? Um, it's a good point. Um, well, thanks for that. Uh, another thing we like to ask is uh, about books or learning. I mean, I know you went to school. Um, are you much into audiobooks or podcasts, or what do you? Uh, what do you like?
0: I I am. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on the boat. While well, up until recently, I spent a lot of time on the boat. So I I do. I've explored some podcasts, and you know, I never really got into the audiobooks. So, although I always thought about it. I listen to talk radio, satellite radio all day. But yeah. Um, I do enjoy reading and I, I don't I used to read a lot of these books like how to invest properly in Warren Buffett stuff. But it's all really interesting. My my mind's in a different spot now and i'm sort of a little bit turned off by the whole business world but that's just because i'm i'm looking you know i'm looking for something different in my life right now i'm i'm more into spiritual things at this point in my life not that they have to be truly separate but i believe that they are sort of separate mm. uh, like i've been reading uh the last book i'm embarrassed to say it's called like cosmos and the psyche but <laughs> it tries to draw uh I don't know. It's a tricky one to explain, but, um, yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan, I'm really into his podcast. I know it's not really a business one at all. Uh, I'm interested in his, his interviews with people who are interested in alternative realities and, and the fact that, you know, reality can be what you want it to be. I'm really into that concept. Um, it's more than a concept. That's, it's real. Like you, life is what you want it to be. Um, you know, you don't have to be this peg that just moves hole to hole or whatever. You can just you can make your reality what you want it to be, and your life it turns out to be exactly what you envisioned it to be. So I'm into that, I find that empowering stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't do a lot of podcasts um, except for the Joe Rogan thing. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. On this vein, though, has that influenced? Your decisions about, um, like, choosing not to over-script the trip your your family's about to go on for <laughs> months or years or however long this takes.
0: I wonder. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, it's funny you talk about spiritual stuff. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at this website a bunch of the pictures of of the equipment and stuff, and I'm seeing I'm seeing that uh, Vancouver Island coastline and. For me, like just being on that island, I mean, like Jackson Hole, Wyoming and like Tofino, I think are like the two most gorgeous places in North America. Um, It it does feel like it's easier to connect to nature somewhere out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Being on the ocean is, uh, yeah, it's a special thing, right? Even if you're just sitting on a surfboard out floating in the wave, just to feel the wave. Um, I don't know I don't want to get all weird here but like
1: we could start crying if you wanted <laughs> like together in tandem
0: I won't cry but you know light waves are um waves are everything like you know our sound is traveling by a wave right now and and you know life is a wave like it's, it's up and down and there's there's something special about nature uh because it's full of these waves that we, yeah, participate in and experience and you yeah.
1: know, it's interesting you bring that up. I was on a coaching call yesterday with a one of my CEO clients and we were talking about um, do you know the guy who wrote the Narnia book, C. S. Lewis? Um,
0: yeah, yeah, big fan. I like all his all his books. I've I've read almost all of them and I love C. S. Lewis.
1: Yeah. Okay. Do you know the do you know this one, the screw tape letters? Totally. So I listened to it like four times last year on, on audio and
0: really?
1: what what uh, this Klein, of what we were talking about yesterday is this idea of undulations of like, Hey, life goes up and down, quit being like so excited or depressed about it. You didn't cause it like life goes up and down. Yeah. And, um, for me, I felt like that cause that book just resonated with me so much. I felt like especially, especially that chapter kind of like gave me permission to not be like the NBA all-star all day, every day for my entire life. Like, Hey, you're going to lose sometimes. Yes. Like that's, that's life. That's okay. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I know it's kind of random, but uh, anyways, we had this talk yesterday. Um, this individual was having some extra struggles and uh, feeling like, hey, I'm the kind of person that shouldn't struggle, you know, yeah. or something maybe. Yep. And, uh, but when you're, when you're realistic about like, you no, know, life comes in waves. Like sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it sucks. You, maybe you feel like a little less responsible for, you know, shoehorning life into the shoulds.
0: Totally. And not to sound cliche, but you know, without those downs, you know, you know, there's no ups, right? Like uh, until you go low and until you experience despair or depression or whatever it is on the bottom for that person, you don't, you're you're not capable. You just, you cannot feel the ultimate ups. So a lot of the guys I work with are actually in the uh, Narcotics Anonymous program, (laughs) which my hat's off to. It seems to be an awesome program. Yeah. Um, I've even been thinking of going, not that I have a narcotics problem, but I would go and pretend I have one for a while, but because I'm interested in the steps. But anyway, I like one of their sayings there. I've heard it a few times around, uh, on the boats and stuff. And that's, um, people go to church to avoid going to hell, <laughs> but people who are in the program, or oh, how does it go now? <laughs> but people. Uh, who are in the program have already been to hell. Mm. So I think I may have not said that probably, but yeah, um, it's true though. I mean, and those are people, these are people who managed to have like – an awesome time in life now without alcohol and drugs, um, whereas before they needed that, but that was the cause of their demise. So now they're happier than ever just being straight, right? And and they appreciate it more than they ever did because they experienced the bottom, the depth. But um, no, it's true. I mean, I that's another thing I noticed about myself is I enjoy pain. I uh, I appreciate it even when it's happening. Like I do love the hardships of life. I really do. And I, I recognize, you know, that... The highs are much much greater because of the hardships, for sure. So,
1: see, this is the difference between me and you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I love it when it's hard. That's what what I'm doing well, and maybe that's why this trip, right? I just want to make it hard again. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Well, listen, there are a lot of people, especially kind of the uh, adventure entrepreneur types. I mean, other guests we have on the show, these like you know special operations combat veterans or you know former action sports people who've become entrepreneurs or things like with that kind of adventure or progression type of habits in their life going on a trip like this i mean it sounds like an awesome adventure um what 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 do you think the real impetus was like what why central america why why this way
0: Okay, it it was anywhere would have been happy. So our original plan, uh, a couple months ago was actually Southeast Asia, Um, specifically like Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, just because we'd heard just because we would never been, we just sort of looked at the map and said, Okay, where's warm? where is cool where have we never been which is everywhere so it was actually southeast asia and then uh, with a little more thought and planning we realized you know we have a two-year-old we're going to be packing her around the whole time plus backpacks plus we don't have a place to call home although we were planning on you know finding where we'd like to be in vietnam putting ourselves into an apartment or house there for a few months and then do it again in cambodia and just making a home base but uh with the motorhome thing uh, we decided that it would be nice to pack our belongings, that you know, the small amount of belongings that we're going to bring into a home base and travel with that, um, because mainly because we have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a six-year-old, so that way we can have you know the comforts of. Uh, you know the laptop computer on a table while we're driving and the kids you know can be buckled in their seatbelts at the table kind of thing so we just decided with the age of our kids and we've never done so we just wanted to go somewhere new we wanted to go somewhere warm somewhere dangerous and this just turned into the better plan in our minds but it really we would have been we would have been happy anywhere we were down to go anywhere anywhere warm um so yeah really it wasn't just central america wasn't our thing i wish i'd learned spanish now like because i I hung around, you and me hung around with guys speaking Spanish for two years there um, all the time. And the only words I picked up were like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) hold on. I don't know if we're allowed to say
0: that, (laughs) 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 but yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: Well, uh, it seems like it seems like a fun thing to be doing um, and uh, and interesting, you know, you look at how many people um, who kind of get into a rut of like, oh, now I'm supposed to be a responsible adult, and you know I've already gone this far this route, um, and it it feels like you you talk to some of them and they sound so chained to where their past got them, like almost like they don't have the right to to make a ninety degree turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's I think it's fun for the rest of us to see somebody like you, you know, push so hard on business and like take a full step away from it uh doing yeah. something like this well um you uh you know it's it's funny you talk about not being able to express things like i really want the listeners to like get this concept for like how hard you worked me into the ground when we ever worked together <laughs> and like i'm not really coming up with the words to express like this is a different level of hard work um so that said, I'm guessing your advice for people who are trying to achieve something is going to have, have something to do with that. But, you know, before we close off here, in general, for people who are trying to get something done, maybe something they don't quite know how to do yet, um, what what advice do you have f- for people out there?
0: Well, okay. Of course, I don't feel qualified to advice. But here's the advice I have. Uh, I've noticed that people who are successful um, – and I'm not, I'm not I don't think I'm very sick I I do feel successful but not I I'm not financial financial success isn't like my isn't isn't the thing I'm measuring that by it's it's by you know how happy I am and and you know the relationship I have with my children and stuff but it's perseverance over the long term it's everyone gets hyped up and and the world's so short term right now and you know we have all these sound bites coming at us through our smartphones and through our uh, tweeters or whatever you call know. It's just everyone's just so short term or you set a goal and it's like a one day goal or a week long goal or a month long goal. But the key to success is to make a decision and stick with it for a long amount of time. Right. I mean, success doesn't come in one night or one week or one month. I mean, it comes, you make your decision and then you make hundreds if not thousands of decisions along the way to reach that ultimate end goal you you just have to persevere and whether it's up or down or whatever however you're doing in your life at that given time you just have to continue on working towards the ultimate goal and that requires feeling feeling you know uh passion for that goal you have to really be into what you're doing so If you want to be successful, you set a goal and you make small decisions along the way that continue towards that goal. And it's going to take years like it's going to I I honestly feel like maybe I sold the company a little early because in two more years, it probably would have been worth double what I sold it for. Um, But that, you know, that required a longer term investment. So to be successful, you have to invest yourself for a long amount of time because nothing happens quickly. And if it does, it's, you know, it's fake. It's a lottery or something like that. But um, I don't know. Yeah you got, you got it you got to stick with it for a long amount of time that that's it nothing happens quickly
1: Do you feel like you do you feel like you have mentors that set that example for you like I'm I'm thinking about you know having heard about Paul for years
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. A uh, big mentor in my life, um, you know, a fairly uneducated fisherman type who's a multimillionaire now, um, just did like his 10th or 10th property development. He turned another six acre parcel into 15 houses. But um, absolutely, you know, and his, his thing is don't spend money on frivolous things. Uh, invest your money into real estate or into something that's, you know, longer lasting than a car or a motorbike or, you know. Every five five thousand dollars is a lot of money, right? I mean, it's not a lot of money, but it could be a lot of money. Like, that five thousand dollars could actually be it's half a down payment on a property or half a down payment on an apartment or, you know, or real estate. I, I like real estate. Real estate's really interesting to me just because it's so steady. And, and don't be scared by the, you know, what the market's saying about it. Oh, it's, it's due for a correction. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's well, it depends on your holding part. period,
1: right? Like, back to Warren Buffett, like. If you're going to predict what the world's going to look like a year from now that's that's pretty iffy but the idea of hold on to it for decades the chance that it's not worth more by then right
0: yeah 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 exactly and you know what do what you do what you love like i mean everyone says that but it's true right and and if you don't love it Get passionate about it. Like, I mean, you don't actually have to love what you're doing, um, but you can come to love what you're doing. I mean, it's like a video game, for example. I'm not a video gamer, but as soon as you're good at any video game, it's fun, right? So get good at what you're doing. And then eventually you'd be the best at it. Like, just be competitive. Like, do better than the other people around you. And then, next thing you know, you're the best at it. Next thing you know, you have your own business doing that and you're highly successful. That, yeah, you just, that's, I mean, everyone says this. We all know this. We've been hearing it since we were kids, but do what you love. And if you don't love it, do love what you do. <laughs> just learn to love it because you can love anything. I mean,
1: it is interesting how proficiency or mastery makes tasks more enjoyable doesn't
0: it yeah yeah totally when you're good at something it's more fun and then it's yeah yeah next Mm -hmm. level next level
1: well listen really appreciate the time uh you gave us to get on the show here before uh before you took off in the motorhome and we weren't gonna be able to skype with you but uh hopefully you'll send us pictures from the road and we'll uh we'll we'll post them up on the site
0: yeah man thanks for meeting with me i understand if this never uh goes onto your website no offense (laughs) (laughs) but it was good to talk to you and look at your face that never moved at all during the whole conversation but i practice
1: hard at that it's it's a talent i'm proficient (laughs) and that's the show thanks for listening today again if you're interested in the bonus materials that we'll be producing make sure to come to our website and join the ideation collective while it's still free the website icollective.co slash free again icollective.co slash free and as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash
0: Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.